0: This is the show. This is the party. Nobody chose the mortal body. The skin we're in, The flag we're on. We're Hello, in. hello, hello there, folks. Welcome to 2020, the year of the. Strange Tonic Podcast. And since it's a Strange Tonic Podcast, you know that you're listening to music by Pan Astral. On this recording, you're hearing their most recent single, All of the Color, which is just fantastic. But they've got big things happening this year, so please check back Panastral.com, Pan Astral on Bandcamp, Pan Astral on iTunes, Pan Astral on SoundCloud pan astral wherever you get your digital music as i said there are big things happening on the strange topic podcast this year so check back with us we've got things you'll hear about in this episode like a swear jar and maybe some bonus material but from there thank you for listening thank you to michelle Pan astral and i really really hope you enjoy this
1: start with like hey Noel <laughs> did you hear <laughs> and, and I figured yeah so I mean I texted you earlier today yeah I saw that but you know you you want to do this Ukrainian podcast and you know we talked about it before and we put it off put it off put it off and here we are recording and shit's, the IMF, shit's <laughs> the going IMF down. yeah shit's going down uh the IMF announced that they are going to provide a new loan to ukraine 5.5 billion dollars which you know that's a good chunk of change and uh Zelensky is supposed to start quote-unquote peace talks with putin in paris
0: i was going to ask i didn't have a chance to read the article when you texted me i was walking the streets of ballard after i got a haircut this afternoon so Mm -hmm. um what's going on with these peace talks michelle or is it actual like Is there, is NATO involved anyway? Is there anyone else who's kind of there to help out or is it just?
1: Yes. So it's not NATO, but there are two members of NATO that are going to be there kind of uh, brokering the deal or Mm -hmm. kind of babysitting the deal. I don't know what you, (laughs) there's probably a better diplomat. Putin's just not
0: making threat after threat after threat.
1: Yes, exactly. Like there to kind of monitor and make sure that this isn't like completely shady. So, um, Uh, I do believe I don't know if it is Macron and Merkel themselves, but Germany and France are the two other powers. They're calling it the Normandy group or something. I don't know. Um, They're they're supposed to be there to make sure that that this is actually meant to facilitate some type of peace in eastern Ukraine, as opposed to just Putin coming in and making all kinds of crazy demands. And I'm, I'm not sure what to think about it. I mean, you know, peace talks with Putin. That really sounds like a. A joke, it a uh, an unlikely thing. Um, and that's what a lot of critics, at least like some of the the articles that I did see today, a lot of critics in Ukraine are kind of worried about that, you know, because we all know Trump's famous phone call with him and how mm-hmm. he was like, oh, yeah, you know, he he was acting like he was going to go along with investigating the Bidens. So people are worried that Zelensky is going to go into this room with Putin, who is a master manipulator and bully and just give him whatever he wants, you know, mm-hmm. some type of concession that would totally infringe upon Ukraine's, uh, uh, sovereignty. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what plays out from it. Cause it's, it's supposed to broker, um, peace. So a ceasefire. And there was one other main point, but I mean, who knows, who knows what Putin's going to walk through the door with. So
0: I would imagine he's probably going to demand, um, uh... That the annexations he's already done be basically ratified, if you will, where it's yeah we went into these areas and they're ours now because those are Russian speaking, so
1: right you yeah well and the the other big concern not just like on looking at it like geographic lines on a map but that something is going to happen where. Russia will have more direct influence over Ukrainian politics overall. Yeah,
0: probably some sort of is, you'll stay out of NATO kind of a thing. Exactly. Like,
1: yes, exactly. That that was one of the things that was pointed out in one of those articles was that Russia would have a veto over, over whether Ukraine could join Western alliances or not, which is not cool, no. but who knows? Who knows?
0: I read a thing which I didn't actually add to my... Cramp. I didn't add to my reading list, I'll look it up later so we can add to the notes. Uh, On Saturday, that was basically why it's bad to refer to Ukraine as the Ukraine.
1: Oh, yes. Please expand on that. I I think that's a really important thing to
0: talk about. So, um, I wish I had this open in front of me. There's the linguistic reasons, but there's also just the geopolitical, which are... The connotation of referring to ukraine as the ukraine is that it's a you know a territorial belonging of a confederative state such as what we used to think of as the ussr and so the fact that trump keeps using the ukraine when talking about ukraine shows he's still well he's an old man um who has that stuck in his head but it's also a slap in the face whether or not he knows it to actually ukrainians who makes it sound like they don't really have any actual sovereignty.
1: Right, it ref- it 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 makes Ukraine an object mm-hmm. rather than an entity in and of itself.
0: And this idea that kind of we've we've almost got gone about this especially under Trump now with former Soviet republics where if Russia's kind of fucking with them, they kind of have it coming because, you know, they they used to belong to Russia well not technically Russia but USSR mm-hmm. and rather than going hey these are actual sovereign nations who went through a ton of pain um, it really <laughs> I was aware of the Orange Revolution but it blew me away because I reread it again I'm like wait that was a lot more recent than I thought
1: right it was in 2004 yes
0: correct? and um, not to get sidetracked here but a friend of mine sent me uh, a political article because I guess Ted Cruz went on Chuck Todd's program today and said, no, no, uh, Ukraine really did interfere in our election in 2016, which apparently uh, because even this in this political article, which has the title of well, it has sabotage in the title, which just we have leaders that are calling Trump a moron. Well, that's not actually tamper, tampering, or interfering in elections, and then also handing over documents that show that his campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, who is currently in jail, was taking money from. This is I again re, just reading up on it. Like, wait, uh, Yanukovych was still was involved in 2004. Oh, that's right, because they he brought on Paul Manafort to basically.
1: Revamp his entire (laughs) persona so he could actually win a freaking election. Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: While still taking massive amounts of money from Russia and being essentially a Russian asset. And so they've been trying to kind of, whether or not they're trying to distance themselves from Russia, which I think the Russian propaganda is saying they're trying to have a two kind of class state where it's the, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, Michelle, the Western half, which is mainly Ukrainian and Mm -hmm. Ukrainian-speaking, and much of the Eastern half, which is ethnically Russian and Russian-speaking, when really I think a lot of Ukrainians, again, Michelle, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think would just kind of like to have their own voice that is not either the the Russians or the West. And by... Mm -hmm. Well, not saying that the West is not uh, guilty of preferring... Certain candidates, um, they didn't have a history of, like under the, uh, ugh, excuse me, like Soviet bloc countries where if there were popular uprisings or democratic movements where like, yeah, we just, we don't really like the Soviet puppet candidate here. Then all of a sudden Soviet tanks would roll in and be like, we gotcha. Wait, mm-hmm. what? And the U.S. has obviously sort of done that in less, in more clandestine and less clandestine operations however not to this extent
1: right and and if we're i'm gonna try to be really brief on the like super long history of the what is now the 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 country of ukraine but this this part of europe has a very very long history of being pulled pulled in different directions under different (laughs) empires
0: i did not realize that Ukraine was at one point basically a part of Poland.
1: Yes, yes. And that was in the early modern era. Um, in I, I think in like the 1600s, 1700s. Um, but it, originally, a thousand years ago, the area that includes a good chunk of Poland and Ukraine was under this massive empire, the Kievian, uh, I can't even say it, Kievian <laughs> route. <laughs> I know, there's no hope, right? <laughs> And they were the largest and wealthiest empire in, in Europe at the time. And a lot of that history is misconstrued to, to make the area of Ukraine and particularly the capital Kiev, uh, which as we all know now from the testimony of many, many people in front of the uh, impeachment uh, panels, <laughs> that it's Kiev, not Kiev. Kiev is the Russian pronunciation. So we <laughs> should call it Kiev because that – that. That yeah, it, if you if you go back and listen to some of the testimony from like uh, like Fiona Hill or right. um, uh, Taylor, uh, they they say Kiev, and that is meant to delineate that city as a Ukrainian city, not a Russian city. Um, yeah, so talking about linguistics, it is it is kind of important because it has meaning to it. Um, but anyways, so this large empire, you know, broke apart eventually. Other empires around it rose up. It was part of the Polish and Lithuanian um, empire until the 1790s. And then it was kind of brokered apart by the new Russian empire under Catherine the Great. And and that was kind of like what we now think of as Eastern Ukraine. And then what we now think of as Western Ukraine became part of the Austro, um, Austro-Hungarian empire under the Habsburgs. And um, doing just a little bit of research about that, it's, it's kind of interesting this – this territory that had a lot of the same ethnic identity and, and language, they were treated in, uh, very differently. And that kind of helps break down the divisions that we see today. Because under Catherine the Great, she wanted to expand Russia. So in Eastern Ukraine, um, they made Ukrainian languages, books, and intellectuals illegal. And a lot of people were persecuted there. Um, and then, uh, you know, ethnically Russian people were moved into the region and then in the Western half, it was kind of the opposite. The Austro-Hungarian Empire was very used to working with many different languages and many different ethnic identities. And so in that case, it kind of helped foster and blossom a new kind of Ukrainian identity, um, which has always been kind of ignored by the West in a lot of ways. Uh, like uh, Ukraine wanted to declare its own independence after World War One when a whole bunch of you know people from western europe were carving up countries mm-hmm. um out of these old empires and it didn't really work out and then the new soviet union came in and they took it over and then they were torn apart again by the nazis and the soviets again you know it just just battle after battle after battle after battle and then ukraine becomes independent in 1991 but that long history of different groups kind of competing for, uh, you know, definition of what it means to be Ukrainian, that's Mm -hmm. all still very relevant now.
0: Forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I think if you were to say that uh, Afghanistan is the graveyard of empires, Mm. and kind of where empires go, like, they have to cross this point to try and get to each other. Mm -hmm. I think that Ukraine has functioned for, as you said, Michelle, centuries as this kind of... The middle in the rope of tug of war between Western Europe and not just Eastern Europe, but mm-hmm. Russia and what we sometimes well, <laughs> uh, refer to as the East.
1: Can you kind of guess why, though? I mean, because <laughs> um, what else is Ukrainian is Ukraine known as?
0: Uh, the breadbasket of Europe, correct?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. About that. How? Uh, who'd have thought that? You know resources are important to uh, empire building and ma- and maintenance and you know all that stuff.
1: Mhm. Uh, mhm. And it and it still remains to this day cuz how many true. russian pipelines go under the ground of Ukraine? <laughs> yep. Lots of them. Almost all of them it seems. <laughs> it's a
0: lot. <laughs> Which is why they have always they're they're still I mean as even with Germany probably in theory uh with has their best interest at heart in these Peace talks with Putin. They're still very much reliant on those pipelines coming from Russia to get their own oil. So it's right. we're 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 a bit more used to his thing, and we have a little more clout. But we also still need you to uh, kind of fall in line to a certain extent.
1: Right. And I I was looking at some um, economic articles as well, which is like mostly way over my head. Like you throw you throw business numbers at me and my Mm. brain just shuts down. Um, But very generally speaking, it's like 39% of all natural gas in Europe flows from Russia to the West. 39%. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's a, that's a good chunk. It's not a majority, but that is a significant amount of um, fossil fuel business that goes from Russia to these Western countries that it, in the last several years has decided to attack over and over again Mm -hmm. um in a digital capacity so
0: well it's what was it just a few years after the orange revolution um putin had kind of somewhat learned a lesson from that and took advantage of i can't remember the leader's name but uh the leader of georgia not the state of georgia people um Georgia. yes, yes. The, the
1: country of georgia yes, the yes. republic
0: of georgia um again not in the u.s for those of you that think georgia's republic in here just 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 clarification um <laughs> and essentially used the president of georgia whose name is on the tip of my tongue damn it uh running military exercises to basically say hey stay away from us to go ha aggression and went in and took a couple of territories that are ethnically Russian. I'm, I'm doing air quotes in case you can't see it, because you can't. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to see what the West did, and the West kind of went, you shouldn't be doing that, but...
1: And what did the West do about it?
0: Nothing. I mean, maybe some do... sanctions? Did <laughs> they do <laughs> sanctions? Maybe. Um, but and... this was
1: also in the era when President... George W. Bush said that he looked into Putin's eyes yep. and he felt some camaraderie with him. He's he saw okay. His soul. He's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. we could do well, a whole, whole thing on Putin, but let's Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's all very telling because you know Putin's the one pulling all the strings here, mm-hmm. at least as far as the at least as far as the annexation and, and military action goes, um you know and the other thing Noel is like I feel like I've paid attention to Ukraine quite a bit compared to most people Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of good friends and colleagues from my history graduate school days who very much pay attention and who specifically study Eastern Europe and some of them specifically study Ukraine but doing research for this podcast tonight I feel like I still didn't really know what was going on there
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and I've I feel like I did learn <laughs> learn quite a bit because there are some separatist movements in Ukraine, specifically on the eastern side, who did see the opportunity to rise up and take over a few of those cities in the Donbass, uh, Luhansk, and uh, Donetsk. But then all of a, all of a sudden, the Russians showed up on the border and was like, "Hey." hey, guys, we'll help you out. Mm-hmm. So it, it it like overly complicated, not overly, but it complicated my my understanding of Eastern Ukraine. I thought it was straight up like Putin sent in the troops. It's oh, far more complicated yes. than that.
0: See, it never quite works like that. A lot of these separatist movements in whatever countries, sometimes it's, I mean, to, I hate to use this as another going back to point, but since I, at one point, read a lot more about Afghanistan, where you might have one group that say doesn't really like Russia a whole bunch, the US, or, sorry, some benefactor state shows up and goes, alright, here's some weapons. And they're like, okay. And all of a sudden, while they may be thinking we're just going to, we just wanted to get a little more autonomy, it's Oh, now all of a sudden we're being used as troops in the front line in a proxy war. And I think that's kind of what Putin's probably been doing in eastern Ukraine, where he's going, all right, I uh, got some people for you, got some weapons for you, and kind of gauging what they do. And <sighs> I was just thinking about this, Michelle, when you were talking about – like, well, I guess when we were talking about the many things that Putin does where he's kind of testing Western resolve – Mm-hmm. is in so many ways he's a kindred spirit with trump where he's just he's going to push the limits and make you stop him he's going to make you say no you, you can't do that and he goes watch me i'm and or, or he'll he'll find a different he'll find a different norm a different rule to break and someone's got to stop him and as where it's more difficult to stop putin because uh, do we know what their nuclear arsenal is at this point
1: I'm I'm I've I heard recently some analysts do a s estimate like did an estimation mm-hmm. and it's still a scary amount. <laughs> I don't know like, I don't know any particular figures, but
0: thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds.
1: I think it was still in the thousands range. Okay. Hundreds good. hundreds to thousands. It wasn't like five digits, yeah. I don't think.
0: But still, still that's a that's a hell of a lot. The wor- yeah, the <laughs> Yeah, more times than time's enough over. to
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. So that's more difficult to stop. That makes more sense where I I keep seeing people pile on with this, oh, well, everyone ridiculed Romney when he said that Russia was the biggest geopolitical foe at the time, which may have been factually correct. um, But, come on, Americans were seeing more problems with terrorist attacks emanating from the Middle East, essentially. So they didn't really believe that. And even now, I think most Americans... Especially Trump supporters go, is Russia really that big of a threat? It seems like they're just a threat to Europe, which <laughs> Michelle, as as you just alluded to, is a whole nother can of worms. Well,
1: uh, well, to to back up a little bit though, mm-hmm. I feel like if John McCain was still alive, things would be a little bit different in the Republican like Party Lindsay in regards Graham, to Russia. Be
0: so openly sycophantic.
1: Yes, exactly. The man with the noodle for a spine. Um, and that's very when generous. Rom- I know I was I'm well, I was thinking about how your mom worries that we swear a lot on the show. So I'm trying to get better about it myself <laughs> in all honesty Fair enough. So, you know, it, that's why I'm being uh, overly nice. But but also at the time that Romney would have said that. I mean, people were hyper focused, yes, on the rise of ISIS and terrorism in the Middle East And. Uh, there was also who in the White House at the time?
0: Uh, it would have been Obama still. Exactly,
1: yeah. and I feel like that was ugh, we shouldn't get, open this can of worms either. But um, the the focus, at least from the conservative section of the country, was more on Obama as oh, opposed yeah. to Russia. Where and yeah, it was that
0: like, hey, you on a hot mic, you said to give him, you know, if you just give me some space. Uh huh. I can do some more stuff after the election which is more just hey stop being such a loud blatant asshole and work right. with me a bit and i'll, tr- I'll we'll tr- work together after that
1: and but then like even still under president obama when uh crimea was annexed and the donbass region became occupied
0: and they shot and down a uh, malaysian aircraft
1: that is correct and 230 plus people died on that all civilians um The the Republican Party was pissed about it, though, Mm -hmm. you know, like, remember just a couple years back where everybody was like, oh, snap, Putin is a bad guy. Russia, we should be worried about Russia. And they set up all these sanctions. Mm -hmm. And and that has made a significant impact on Russia's economy, even if we don't think about it. And they certainly don't want people to know too much about it.
0: Which is because also they why... only they only oh, have one
1: one thing to give. They only have one thing going for them, and that's oil and gas. Mm-hmm.
0: I was just going to say that's why uh, it makes sense that uh, when the Ukrainians found that document that showed, like, it couldn't be called the Black Book or whatever that showed. Yes, that Paul Manafort was taking cash from the Russians. It, they're like, and this guy is running your uh, your campaign, um, America, or you know. Uh, <laughs> The Republican nominee's campaign, Americans, you should be afraid of this because we don't, we're not saying he's on the Trump is on Putin's payroll, but he's got a guy that's very close to him who's setting policy already. Because mm-hmm. uh, for those of you that don't remember, part of the Republican platform at the twenty-six, I guess technically twenty-fifteen convention was was twenty-sixteen, a much more friendly set of proposals towards russia right then had been not only just traditionally like in the american policy book but i mean this is the party of reagan and reagan's mm-hmm. the one that was the toughest on russia so it's a little bit alarming i mean it should have been a little bit alarming It be a lot alarming and so that's why i think it wasn't you know i'm sorry go ahead go,
1: no 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 you you continue
0: i was just gonna say that's why it wasn't meddling it was very much so a Hey, this is a concern because they want out of these sanctions. This guy has worked on behalf of another ruler to really do Russia's bidding, mm-hmm. so this is very concerning to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's really all. I-
1: <laughs> well, and 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 to it, to widen widen the scope a little bit, just beyond uh, Ukraine and. What was happening there at the time and has happened since. But I feel like the biggest tell in all of this was the appointment of Rex Tillerson, yes. whose entire career was with ExxonMobil, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who had this decade brokered the largest deal with Russian oil ever in the history of the world. It's some crazy amount. And he won essentially yes. the, the equivalent of the president's Medal of Freedom, Freedom. Yep. in Russia. Putin mm. gave him a medal for being so awesome because Russia does not have the technology or the infrastructure to get all of their oil out of the ground. And so they brokered this deal with ExxonMobil uh, to get it all out and build the economy and grow everything. And then they decided to get get into Ukraine. And sanctions happen, and ExxonMobil legally had to get out of there because of those sanctions.
0: I wonder, as a weird aside, how much of that help that Tillerson and ExxonMobil gave to Putin went to other proxy states such as Kazakhstan, mm, where point. they are also are very reliant on – Russia is very reliant on Kazakh oil moving through them, mm-hmm. mostly natural gas, actually, I believe – Okay, <clears throat> um, and for a while, what had been kind of irking Putin was, at least in like the late 2000s, I believe. Oh God, I wrote a whole paper on this, but uh, not on the, the the natural gas thing, but on just kind of Kazakhstan and their not really democracy that says it's democracy. Right. Where they were bringing in more, they're basically bringing Chinese to operate oil fields. And
1: mm. this
0: was the, – the Chinese were paying more money, so it was better for the actual Kazakh people. But Russia didn't really like that, so they kind of found a leader that was well, – the leader that what, Lee was still in power. And he, I believe, made himself like president for life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they kind of need that oil, and they need people around them to – art that actually have it to sell through them and yeah it's uh that's a good point michelle that tillerson that was i hate to say it but but the trouble
1: is that tillerson like even no matter what you think of the oil industry and what you think of uh people who are at that level of power um in our late capitalist system that that we have such as it is tillerson still had a lot more integrity than President Trump, <laughs> which is why he got released from his position.
0: Well, <laughs> I was just going to say too, um, along not as bad as the whole bar situation. Like, oh, he's actually picking someone good. When oh, uh, for uh, former Defense Secretary William Gates—is it William Gates? Let's say Gates.
1: Bill, I think yeah, Gates. It's not William. <laughs> I don't think so. uh, Gates.
0: Uh, maybe, Robert, whatever, Gates, Robert Gates, something Gates. <laughs> he had said Tillerson is a great pick, and I had a lot of respect for what Gates did, not only as a defense secretary under Bush, but also continued to do under Obama. You know, because what is this, where an actual Republican can work for a Democrat? I mean, I, I thought that unless you voted for President Trump, you couldn't even be involved in government. Oh, right. Anyways.
1: Rick Gates, there we go. Rick I Gates, it. Uh, thank Rick you.
0: Gates. Not William Gates, Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, but as you said, Michelle, like he wasn't great. Uh, oh, reading. I think I sent you a link, or a link to the. Uh, where is it? Doot, do, do. Why is the screen so big?
1: Was it the Atlanta Council link or? Uh,
0: it was the Foreign Affairs one.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Did I not send that to you?
1: uh i don't recall okay. was it was it like last week or a couple it days Saturday.
0: ago a couple days ago yeah okay Yes, yesterday technically whatever uh, <laughs> um, but it just made me when i will re, resend this to you if i did or i'll send it to you if i did not send it to you there's a i don't
1: i don't see it in my feed so send okay. it to me please
0: do it real quick sorry i'm away from the mic right now uh and talks about kind of how not sense uh, the McCarthy era, which you know, there there is no irony anymore, featured Trump's guru. What do you, I don't know what do you want to call him? His <laughs> mentor, Roy Cohn, who was uh, McCarthy's chief of staff, and really kind of tore apart the State Department. And last. I read The War on State by Ronan Farrow. Oh. And so it made me think of that, where Tillerson, while not terrible, in fact, I was just talking about this with my barber days, Jeff Sessions was a horrible attorney general, was a terrible pick for attorney general, but still is Trump's least terrible attorney general because he did one thing that was, he followed the guidelines or accused himself after he got caught lying hmm. about contact with russians and so but in pharaoh's book he talks about how even with supposedly tillerson standing up to trump and referring him as, as a i'll try and follow your lead here michelle effing idiot he still did not protect his foreign service officers or the department at, as at whole, as at large. No. And no,
1: he did Pompeo
0: not. is, he's basically gutting the thing on his own. Like Trump is, is yeah. giving him his marching orders. Pompeo is just stepping out of the way and letting them take all the bullets.
1: Yeah. I kind of, I kind of feel weird. Like I'm almost trying to defend an oil executive, but
0: <laughs> especially one from Exxon Mobil.
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, it's interesting because Rex Tillerson, who's never shown any interest in politics, had never even met Trump. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, finds out he's a Secretary of State. Yep. He wouldn't even know what to do. He probably didn't know what to do.
0: But he's a business wizard, just like Trump. That's so why he, he could him.
1: he could schmooze with whoever he needed to, mm-hmm. including horrible authoritative you know authoritative dictators. But that which is why he got the job in the first place.
0: Yes, and because at that time he had – or Trump had rights to Priebus, so he would have wanted – Priebus would have wanted Trump to fill his cabinet with basically establishment-type Republicans who right. would lend kind yeah. of credibility to the administration. Right. Which is why I, I think even Priebus didn't want Flynn, NSA yeah, chief. Yeah,
1: if there's anybody that's going to ruin your credibility, it's Flynn.
0: <laughs> oh, Yes which is <laughs> again we do a whole podcast anyways, just on Flynn.
1: I know. Yeah. But okay. But anyways, I'm going to I'm going to turn it I'm going to turn <laughs> us back to Ukraine. So this is a this is a nation state. We live in a world of nation states
0: mm-hmm.
1: where your identity, your ethnicity, it's easier to quantify if you live within a country that accepts both of those. But we all know that's not how things work. That's true. And Ukraine itself trying to be its own entity and not be the subject of somebody else's empire. It's, they've been independent since the fall of the Soviet Union. They're massive, they're the size of Texas uh-huh. with 45 million people in population. They are a significant and important entity in global politics and I feel like the United States and the West in general has always looked at them as an object as well Mm -hmm. as just some throwaway pawn that doesn't really matter. They've had two in, in the last 15 years alone, they've had two pro democracy revolutions Two. Mm -hmm. that's mind blowing, isn't it?
0: It is. And Isn't that mind blowing? Yes, that.
1: they are. They are big, and yes, there are different districts and different sections of the country that don't that don't all get along, and everybody has different ideas. But that's what it is. To, that's that's what it is. Like if you live in a country with more than one person, guess what? You're going to disagree sometimes. Mm-hmm. But they've had two pro democracy revolutions in their country of special significance. And they are still treated as a pawn by the West. Not quite to the extent that they are by Russia, but almost. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do, like... which is also
0: why <laughs> you corruption, you corruption? What the hell am I talking about? Um, <laughs> corruption corruption in Ukraine mm-hmm. is such a problem and it almost has a get. Basically, it's a grand tradition because when you've got outside influences that view you as something to toy with. They're going to go through back channels and they're going to throw money at different politicians. And from what I understand, um, Zelensky was very much elected because he said, we've got to stop doing this. And mm-hmm. he wanted to actually fight corruption. Mm-hmm. And that's not why he told Trump, that he would open an investigation or he would talk about opening an investigation to Biden's. He just, he's trying to save his country. And yes. <laughs> I'm not calling Zelensky corrupt, but a lot of times this is kind of how this happens when it's, well, oh, let's make a deal with the devil. And, you know, this one at least, uh, maybe this one's just too dumb and he'll give us some money. And also, our, you know, kind of people, our neighbors that aren't Russia will help us out as well if it looks like. The U.S. is helping, also. Ugh, yeah, yeah it's...
1: well, and, and and that's the thing. Like in in a world of nation states, the smaller ones get pushed around a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's a, a you know yes. imperfect fact of of human life, and you know there there has been cultural and civil unrest in Ukraine since its inception. But really, a lot of it, at least in the last five years, has been fostered by an outside party. And then that outside party says, look, look at that failed state. We better go in. (laughs) We better go in and put things in order. Hmm. And that's exactly what Russia is trying to do.
0: That's been their playbook for a while, where it's they destabilize and go, hey, we'll go help out. Oh, thanks.
1: Yep. Exactly. Oh, it's ours now. And, you know, and it I don't goes know. back so, to Stalinism, too. Yes, <laughs> it does. It's, well, it's, you know, we've talked about it before, at least, like, on a philosophical sense, since we like to talk about Timothy Snyder so much. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention
0: the way that he says the Don Boss is, like, almost, almost cathartic when I listen to the audiobook of that. I'm like, yeah. Mm, the, yeah. The Don right. Boss. I'm like, ah.
1: Well, to continue with our Timothy Snyder fandom here, yes. In, in research for tonight, I did watch a few interviews with him and uh, a couple of speeches by him, and these were ones I had not watched before. And he, he has this whole interview uh, with a news outlet from Ukraine about the importance of the Ukrainian language, how words matter, because words are divisive words can be both offensive and defensive when you have somebody from the outside coming, coming after you. And the way that we talk about Ukraine is Mm -hmm. very important. And I feel like the way the West and the United States have talked about Ukraine up until this point and including probably continuing on to the future, they're just going to treat it as an object as opposed to an actual sovereign place that needs our support if the United States is, you know, so profound in the world of democracy and oh, that's really what we're about is spreading democracy and upholding democracy, we fail a lot of the time and we're really, really failing in Ukraine, I think.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> oh, when you said that about the whole, uh, how language matters, maybe you want to... oh, here it is. Ah, oh, I'll send to you real quick. Doot, doot, doot. I did not know the the Beatles
1: are included. Oh yeah, yep. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Well, I don't have time to read this whole recording, of (laughs) course. What does it say, Noel? (laughs) Narrow it down for us.
0: (laughs) I did not actually read like the whole. I I read the whole thing, but like kind of more skimmed it because I was trying to find more stuff about like how Ukraine matters to the U.S. and like stuff. Stuff And so this one was, I think this was the first one I found. It was like, interesting, but this wasn't what I was trying to find. I was honestly (laughs) trying to, like, I was looking through my uh, bookshelf for, I must have just had it in my head as something else, a book we read in my uh, capstone I took, which was uh, Contemporary Issues in Comparative Politics. Okay. And it was, because I thought we went over the Orange Revolution, which... Makes sense that maybe that wasn't actually in the textbook because that would have been in two thousand eight, two thousand nine when I took that course.
1: Yeah, I may not have made yeah, it yeah, into right. the textbook <laughs> at that point.
0: <laughs> um, but it's just oh, I, I want to bring it like bring it back just one second. I don't want to go into impeachment too much, but okay. um, oh no, I'm so scatterbrained. What's The British woman who you mentioned her earlier from Fiona Hill, Fiona Hill,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: her testimony was just so excellent and kind of a brief look into how foreign service officers work and how experts in national security operate, where it's, no, we're not trying to make, we're not trying to operate in the political sphere. We're trying to conduct diplomacy Right. And so these were things that, you know, they're trying not just to, well, they are trying to really further U.S. interests in these different countries by working with their host countries.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so by treating the host country as if it's just some sort of weird platform for personal gain, like Trump and Giuliani are doing. Right. It what like it isn't a political issue it's not a like you, you guys are only mad cuz the republicans are doing this they're mad as foreign service officers because their work which is already incredibly difficult becomes nearly impossible when well f- first of all you have Trump and Giuliani conducting their own thing outside of what the actual proper lines of communication are doing mm-hmm. but they're going well You know, if we're not pleasing the president and we're not doing what he says all the time, then why should we even work with you? Like, if this is not how policy and this is not where the money, for example, is flowing from, then why even deal with you in the first place? It just sidelines career diplomats. Yeah. And could you imagine? I don't think we're too far off, not to get (laughs) off too much of a tangent, where it's happening with the military as well, considering that Trump also is now pardoning war criminals and right. when the navy said hey this guy that uh somehow got a not was convicted but a lower charge and we want to remove his trident trump jumped in with a, a
1: very questionable secondary witness on the last day of the trial that changed their story yeah yeah
0: the friend i mentioned earlier who's in the navy i mentioned that to him this summer and he was like yeah it's a clusterfuck yeah actual quote. Is- sorry mom um And it wasn't a, like, and when I asked him about uh, basically Trump essentially firing the Secretary of the Navy, and I said, what do you feel about that? He said, I think, like, it was not probably tenable because he was trying to kind of go around his boss, uh, the uh, whoever the hell is the actual uh, defense secretary at this point, because it seems like everyone's an interim Except yeah, for that, I don't, I don't think know. the defense secretary is. I think that's confirmed. And my friend said, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that. But also the actual, like, military leadership, the officers, the commanders, should be allowed to make these decisions, not politicians. Right. And, um, again, not to go too far away from Ukraine, but this is the problem with thinking you can control this man is he's going to keep doing this no matter how many times you say, hey, don't do that, or you give him advice where you think he's listening. He's going to do what he wants, and he's, if you tell him no, he's going to find someone who will do what he wants.
1: So that, I mean, we're, we're not trying to talk about Putin specifically, but how can we not? Indeed so that that makes me think of uh something i heard in a lecture uh that i watched online um and from great courses plus they have a few free episodes on on their on youtube I've heard or whatever
0: podcast before michelle
1: yes yeah we are not getting paid for that so this is just <laughs> <laughs> this is just some genuine honesty like citation from me um but a couple of a couple of things that that makes me think of is you know back in the days with uh, W in the White House, apparently at a summit in 2008, Putin kind of offhandedly turned to Bush and said, "Well, you know, Ukraine's not really a country," and you know, like I that's believe it. that's a significant statement. But you know, even if yeah it's completely believable but it's still very important um but then this same lecture continue continuing on with putin and therefore russia's attitudes towards ukraine um (laughs) you know about pushing boundaries and doing whatever they feel is need needed to be done I guess the president of the European Commission called Putin uh, shortly after the violence broke out either in Crimea or in Donbass. I I don't know which one. But in 2014, with the violence um, that started up in Ukraine because of Russia's influence, um, you know, they they, they, uh, Putin received a call and, you know, they said, you know, can we please figure out a ceasefire or stop the violence like what? you know, we need to figure out a way for this to end. And Putin said, I could be in Kiev in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And that right there, I think is true. If it was full on war, it would have already happened. Yes. That Russia and Putin do have the military capability to push into Ukraine and take it over by force in a very short period of time, if they so desired. But all of these little steps that we're talking about are very calculated.
0: True. Also... Self,
1: self-protectionary self at the same time that they're still getting away with everything that, that is happening in Ukraine and against Ukraine.
0: I think it's also worth noting because I don't know if you remember this, Michelle, from 2014 with the uh, <clears throat> the initial invasion, whatever you want to call it, annexation, any, any of that, uh, the downing of Malaysian that Malaysian airliner where there was some this was making it out of Russia somehow that uh parents of Russian soldiers who were just basically being told that their son had died and they're like well, where was he? Uh, I don't know. know. And they knew right. that they were yep. dying in Ukraine and right. this is why that military aid is so important because They don't want an actual invasion because even though they could be there in two weeks, it'll be a lot of death on both sides. And even if it's overwhelmingly on the side of Ukrainians, it'll be very unpopular if many young Russians are coming home in body bags for something that I think even a lot of Russians are going, well, why are we doing this?
1: Right. Yeah. And, and they are. And and all of their media outlets are saying nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. We're not in Ukraine. Nothing's going on. It's like why is why is my 21-year-old son in a body bag then?
0: Yeah, they They're can't not, they can't all they, be military accidents.
1: Right. Yeah. And they know this. And and that's the other thing like the 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 pro-democracy revolutions in Ukraine, which is supposed to be uh the the phrase, if I don't Mess it up too much is Novorossiya, yes, which was coined by Catherine the Great, two and a half centuries ago yes. almost. Mm-hmm. That's also the word that Putin uses for Eastern Ukraine, Novorossiya. If they're not, if no. they're if their boys and sons are coming home dead from a war that doesn't exist, they're going to put two and two together. And oh here's here's my train. I found it again. So the pro-democracy uh, protests and revolutions in Ukraine, which is supposed to be Nova Russia, if they can happen there, why can't they happen in Russia? Mm-hmm. And that might be Putin's greatest fear. At least you know, that's that's some of the 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 whispers and sidles I hear from these articles that we've read is that, you know, Putin could be overthrown if there's enough people that think what he's doing is wrong.
0: Well, and back to, you know, our Snyder fandom where he talks about kind of Putin's motivations for a lot of these things are basically not to improve the, the lives of his own citizens, but to make no. them go, and this is just as shitty and terrible everywhere else. Like, uh, mm-hmm. that's, uh, the Russia understands Ukraine's geopolitical importance but does the West yeah
1: yeah the it, Atlantic I, article
0: yeah. yes um, actually, Atlantic Council yeah Atlantic
1: Council article because yes. I also Thank did you. Atlantic article <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
0: that really what's with Trump is on display here is not just you know all politicians are corrupt and do self-dealing it's that here's someone who is openly doing so and not being, as of now, not being held to account.
1: Right.
0: And it just goes well, you know. Rather than going, hmm, that's weird. That sucks. it's happened to them. It's going well. If it's happening there, do we even have hope of stopping it here? Hmm. And it's just, oh, I, uh, I don't want to get down that road, too. Much. Uh, I'm not going sure yeah. to get that out because I don't want to. Use... Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, if I, it, did I open a wound or something there?
0: I just, no, I it's more to... so just the like, <laughs> Um, I guess back to that. Uh, oh, ha ha ha. It sort of ties in. So back to that conversation I had with uh, that friend who's also in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Where it was, well, you know. Chuck Todd said that Ukraine didn't interfere at all. And I told him, well, what's he supposed to do? Say, well, some of the politicians did say bad things about Trump. They released documents that showed his campaign chairman, you know, had financial ties to not just a Russian puppet, but to Russia, and then tried to launder it, which led him in – well, that didn't directly land him in jail, but he's now in jail for similar things. Right. And how do you, like – To treat that as if – because that's not what Trump is talking about when he says Ukraine interfered. He's talking about that crowd strike debunked conspiracy theory um, when (laughs) the reason he's so against this idea that Russia interfered in the election is not because he – I don't know what the hell he believes. It's because he feels that it attacks the legitimacy of his own election.
1: Exactly, yes. Yes. And
0: so I sent him, and for those of you that are friends with me on Facebook, uh, I apologize, but uh, I sent him another screenshot, because this is why I apologize, from Timothy Snyder's book, where it's like, this isn't, like, this is a thing where Trump says something stupid, or something that we know is a lie, or both, for that matter, a stupid lie, he does a lot of that, and then... Kelly Clinton discussed this in her most recent book where Trump does this and then people go to Google and find, well, something sort of like that happens. So we can't call him a liar or we should at least lend some sort of credence to the problem. Um, And so I pulled up and sent him this picture of a screenshot from Timothy Snyder's book, which I'll read uh, just the highlight portion where Western journalists are also taught to report various interpretations of facts. The adage that there are two sides to the story makes sense when those those who represent each side accept the factuality of the world and interpret the same set of facts. I am lying to you openly, and we both know it, is not a side of the story. It is a trap. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why, like, <laughs> like, did we open up a wound here? It's like, just how, I feel like we can't get past this. And that's why when people go on these talk shows and they openly lie, it's like, well, why are they being attacked? Because they're lying. Or right. even if they're pulling up something that has a sh- scintilla of proof, not proof, scintilla of truth to a part of it, the, m- the whole thing is a lie. It doesn't matter. Like, So right. bringing up that something happened when it's not the same thing is, well, it's the definition of false equivalency. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just, that... I couldn't imagine actually living in Ukraine and, and being again not only just constantly a part of this tug of war but being such a part of this really just dumb tug of war right now
1: okay so this is fascinating i really like this can i request a libation pause yes and let's come back because i have two or three major things to talk about okay but we should take a pause
0: we will do Coast and drive in different directions and then watching all these different black cars just zoom off after them which uh, Michelle leads me to my good thing of the week and again Uh-oh. we're not paid by anybody so <laughs> I'm not saying that this lends any credibility or neutrality to what I'm saying I'm saying pay us people just kidding um, <laughs> so my good thing of the week And it's not great, but I'm mainly saying this because I really enjoyed it, but I'm also curious because I haven't asked you about it, was the day after Thanksgiving, my stomach was not feeling great, so when the wife and I watched The Irishman on Netflix, I didn't super enjoy it because every, like, 20 minutes or so I got up and, you know, was not present. (laughs) So I watched it again no. by myself on Tuesday <laughs> okay. this week, I believe, and it was just like, it's almost four hours long, but I really, really oh, enjoyed wow. it. Uh, it's, I say this for those of you that like Scorsese films, like mob films, like mob shows, where there's just all sorts of callbacks, there's just the shots you recognize from Scorsese's uh, cinematography and stuff like that, and it was... It was really fun seeing it again. I don't know if I'll watch it for a third time. Mm. But uh, Michelle, did you watch it? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Are you a fan of Scorsese films?
1: Uh, Yes, yeah, some of them. Yes, okay. I, yeah, I'm not like I, a Scorsese <laughs> diehard by any stretch. But
0: yeah. I feel like as someone that has watched Goodfellas too many times that i'm probably one of these kind of fanboys and that's Mm -hmm. why i really enjoyed it but this is why again it's two shout outs my second shout out and more so good thing of the week is i'm gonna watch it after we get done here uh the most recent episode of the Watchmen Mm
1: -hmm. on
0: hbo which if have you watched it all michelle no, I feel like it ties in. I'm I'm
1: failing you. No, 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 no. no, no. There's references. we've talked about this before. There's
0: way too much stuff to watch. Like the I still haven't watched. Uh, it's oh true. my gosh, what was the thing that you asked me to? Well, crap. Well, to come into a crime here, but that you watched with my HBO Now membership. The uh, Chernobyl. No, no, not that. Um,
1: oh,
0: the something justice project that, like that guy
1: <gasps> brian stevenson i
0: still haven't watched that because i want to be in the right mindset to watch it mm, and i think like from yeah. work and like uh, yeah i'm not in the mood to be socially conscious <laughs> it's
1: tough man it's tough
0: <laughs> but the watchman it's apparently yet another iteration of the graphic novel but for what's going on right now it's like wow this is not only just very intriguing because of the um what's the word Uh.
1: is there one word
0: um i was going to say oh what's the word crap there's gonna be all sorts of cuts on this one
1: yeah Um, it's gonna be tough to edit sorry
0: whatever the current popular reference. There's an actual word for that. <laughs> uh, but also Jeremy Irons and the, whatever I don't, they're trying to tie it back in now, but Jeremy Irons character is weird, hilarious, and just like, where are they going with this? So that's my weird two TV good things of the week. Uh, actually short, short, Third thing of the week, that's right, Michelle, I'm dominating this here, is (laughs) our little puppy Myrtle, who's about four months old, who uh, goes in for her spay operation tomorrow. That's not a good thing of the week, though. She's been in puppy baby class, because while she loves playing with Gatsby, has been very shy in puppy Mm -hmm. kindergarten. She played hard with all the dogs in her play group and it was just awesome. So, that's my third good thing of the week. Michelle, uh, please stop letting me bogart this and what's your good thing of the week?
1: <laughs> so, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure how long it's been since we recorded.
0: Uh, maybe a month? That's right? Uh,
1: I know. It's been a long time. Um, busy, so I'm going I'm going to expand my good thing to of the month. Of the month. That's right. Number one, everybody knows Baby Yoda.
0: Yes, yes. yes.
1: I think I have more pictures of Baby Yoda on my phone than I do my dog, which is (laughs) sacrilegious and a crime. But Baby Yoda. And um, what's my other good thing?
0: Uh... Nope, that's no. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I
1: had one good thing of the week,
0: but it's a pretty significant one in Baby Yoda.
1: <sighs> oh my gosh, it's it okay? So watching Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So the fifth episode came out. Uh, I don't know, thirty six hours ago. Or something. <laughs> you know is what it I mean? Like Friday night, or is it? <laughs> It's like 48 hours ago it's something okay. crazy but i <laughs> i i was waiting to watch it and i you can't get on social media at all nope. at all you have to be careful you do it.
0: i used to frequent deadspin a fair amount until that died and uh, now my kind yeah. of fallback has been the ringer and they have a whole oh. section on baby Yoda. So it's like they'll be like baby Yoda reveals clothes. <laughs> it's like don't Yes, exactly.
1: Exactly. Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. As soon as I see those big green ears, I'm like, nope, I'm done. No. Nope. It was very difficult <laughs> like trying to avoid it. So we don't have any spoilers. Uh yeah. That's my that's my good thing.
0: And uh I guess our good random discovery of the week, too, is our swear jar, which we'll figure out here after we get done here. Super so, fun. Thank you, Michelle. We'll figure out how the heck to cut this one up, but whether it's two <laughs> episodes or one, we got some good stuff.
1: Sounds okay. good, Noel. Thanks.